Blog Talk Radio. I'm your announcer, Reverend Gardner of located in the Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. In just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood of LuckyMojo.com in Forestville, California, and Conjurman of ConjurmanConsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week, we'll be joined by a special guest, Reverend James of FolkConjure.com in North Carolina, bringing us today's Oracle Hour topic on Mo, the Tibetan Divination Methods. They will take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, or root work as divined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening. But if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first let's catch up with our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman. Ms. Cat? Hi. Hi, Reverend James. Well, as happened last time, you you got off to a kind of a... Oh, it's Art. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Art, James, y'all call from the same number. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Whenever we get one of you to... As the um, as the announcer, you all tend to start off with a very warbly, warbly sound, and then it clears up. So I don't know, check your lines or something, Art. Um, but that, that's all I can say. It did clear up. I could hear you after a while. Um, we might have to do some experimentation with what's causing that. Um, it used to always be with Tammy Lee, it was where she was located. With Clifford, it was where he was located in his building. And it may be the same for you if you're using Wi-Fi. It's All right. <laughs> yeah, having having said – well, see, there you sounded warbly again. Having said all of that, um, I, I, I bet things are going pretty well in uh, North Carolina because I've been on the on – the, Zoom with you recently, and I know that you guys are working really hard. And I know that Art, you just had your first broadcast of um, Mystics, Mages, and yep. Magical Places, and broadcast number two is coming up tomorrow. So just give us a little hint about that, okay? How exciting! Yeah. Oh, definitely. It was a fantastic show last week. Uh, JD joined us and brought us the topic of haunted Detroit. I honestly, from, you know, the paranormal researcher at heart here, definitely learned a lot more about about Detroit and I'm hoping to actually visit. Um, But we're off to a great start. Tomorrow, I am bringing on Miss Elizabeth from Cincinnati, Ohio. She's bringing us the topic of tarot for shadow work. And, you know, shadow work is actually a really big topic nowadays. And Elizabeth is wonderful as a a commentator and a practitioner and I really feel that she's going to have a lot to bring to the table for this show and definitely everybody wants to tune in to hear what she has to say it's going to be another fantastic show wow all right 
And uh, so uh, Miss Elizabeth on Tarot for Shadow Work. Okay, that's going to be great. And um, uh, we need to get uh, everything lined up so that uh, the network announcement puts you guys in there too. But don't forget, on the days when you are the announcer, um, I do want to hear about your show, okay? So always have something to say to me, okay? You can you can guarantee. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Or if James is the announcer, I can get him to speak on your behalf. Um, you guys are such Thank a cute couple, and I, I love working with you. Uh, as a member of one cute couple to another, you know, it's just nice to work with fellow cute couples. All right. Um, and today we're going to have uh, James as our guest, so it's cute couple city around here. Um, now, I'll let you know what's going on here at the Lucky Mojo. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Wow. Things here are kicking into high gear. Spring has sprung. The customers have come out of the woodwork. It's raining cats and dogs. They're running through the rain to come and pick up their candles and oils. Um, things are um, doing very, very well. We've been gardening on the railroad layout, trying to uh, bring that back after two years of shut-in COVID non-railroading, and we're looking forward to a, a national railroad show this summer, so we're going to be working on that, and um, we'll tell you more about that later. And there's a, a lot going on in the shop as far as planning some new products. One of these new products I'm going to announce right now, and I'm going to scare the bejesus off of Conjurement Ollie. Conjurement <laughs> to become yes. a product. It's going to become a product. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, man. It's going to become mm. a Lucky Mojo product. What is well, what is, <laughs> Tell what us. is the thing mm-hmm. the thing that Contraman is bringing to the Hoodoo Heritage Festival on June tenth and eleventh, twenty twenty three. The the thing, Contraman, it's going to become a Lucky Mojo product. Bath crystals and oils and all that? No, no, no. It's just gonna be the herb mix. Oh, the herb mix. Okay, interesting. The herb mix. Okay. The herb mix is going ah. to become a product, and so people can and just buy the product rather than they can buy the product, and it's going to be have Conjurman's name on it. Oh, It'll interesting. Now the that's, Conjurman's X X X product. So, folks, <laughs> um, see, I even managed to surprise my. My longtime co-host, he's going, what are you talking about? The product. The XXX makes it sound more scandalous than it is. It's it a very is. good product <laughs> that you will all it's love. Triple X. It's, con- it's Contraman's <laughs> Mystery Project. Um, yeah, Contraman's Mystery Herb Mix. So, And this is going to be um, given away at the Hoodoo Heritage Festival during Contraman's workshop. But you see, it originally is. we thought, well, we'll – We'll just make a tiny little Ziploc bag of the product, and then everyone will have a little sample. And then we thought, no, hell no. We're just going to actually just do it, and um, it'll be a product, and everyone will get a full-size package from Lucky Mojo. That is a deal. That is a deal. You get it? Now you get it, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because it's part of the panel workshop on love. And so Contraman is doing the first part of that, 
And um, yeah, usually the panel workshop gets you get you know so many people involved, you just get tiny little Ziploc bags. But nah, we're going, mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna commit. So there you go, that folks. Is, that is a steal for going for going to the Hoodoo Heritage Festival right there. You yeah, yeah, you're gonna get oh yeah, you're gonna get a full package and and um and of course the whole goodie box thing we talk about that a lot but um yeah. the goodie boxes are um worth it that's all I can say the goodie box so. if you if you calculate the cost of the goodie box it's like you're the amount that you're paying for your ticket you're getting that thing for free you're getting that thing yeah. for, like the goodie box itself the value is like astronomical yeah it has a the goodie box has a a design to have a retail value of around a hundred bucks, but um, I, it, now with the rise in the price of products and the rise in the price of books, I think we're going to be looking at more like a hundred and fifty dollars. But the price of tickets yep. has not gone up, so yep. folks, you're you're just going to be overwhelmed if you buy those tickets. People go, oh my god, the tickets are expensive. The goodie box, man, it's what pays you back. It pays you back forever. Um, all right, well. So that's how things are here. Oh, and I'm working on my own books. I'm working on Miss Michael's book on Snaky Tricks. She's going to be doing a workshop on that. I'm working on my own book on astrology. And I have one other announcement to make. And again, this involves you, Conjure Man. Nagashiva found a stash at the bottom archaeological level of his office while cleaning. Mm-hmm. He found about 20... DVD discs. Do you remember Alan Scott? The oh, guy yeah. who was came and filmed the workshops in 2011, 2012, and 2013? Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. Well, Shiva found the discs. Oh, wow. What oh, a yeah. Blast from the past. Well, they need... Yeah. Now he was an amateur. He was studying filmmaking in college, and he brought borrowed equipment. And he he wasn't. I mean, these are not professional level. These are not Papa G level, if you know what I mean. But right. um, and the one reason we didn't do anything with them was that the audio was very low. But nowadays, uh, the ability to edit um, video and audio is so much better than it was ten years ago. Mm-hmm. We're going to pull that audio right up, and it'll sound great. And um, but you know there's um, there's you are in there, uh, Doctor E. Um, there's uh, wow. Bree, Doc Hilford, um, Cast, yeah. Kai. It's the whole gang, man. It's everybody. oh wow, that is yeah. that is a real find. That's an that's an archive find right there. Yeah, yeah, we're we're completely blown away about this. That is so cool. And uh, now it will take time to edit these and you know spiff them up a little bit because, like I said, they're kind of amateur video, but everything's there, and there are PDFs for most of these. And what we're going to do is be bringing them into the same online class program that Air has been uh, running, where we have thirty. Um, online classes for $25 each. These are going to be added in. We're going to bring their value up and get you everything you need for them. They're going to be included. If you want to know what Contraman looked like back then, <laughs> <laughs> you'll get you'll that's find right. out. Or any of us. Or any of us, that's right. I have, yeah. surprisingly haven't aged too much, but it's, it is, uh, it's going to be kind of exciting to see this uh, blast from the past, but also people who 
are no longer with us. I mean, Dr. E, like that, that type of find is just stunning. Yeah, and it's, it's like so, it preserved it really the memory. Is, yeah, it's yeah. really kind of touching because sitting right next to him, watching every move is Mama E. And they yeah. were so inseparable at the workshops. And she's just looking yeah. at, you know, so proudly at Dr. E, her son. It's really cool. But other people are there, too. That You know, that people, you go, whoa, whoa wow, I don't remember that. Oh, yeah, look, it's Tammy Lee. It's, so, you know, it's everybody. It's really, even oh, our old dog, cool. Sophie. Sophie runs oh, in and out, you know. Oh, <laughs> yes. Sophie. It's so it's so cool to see these things. A little sad, but the information is incredibly valuable. And uh, yeah, I think and Deacon Millet um, giving that incredible workshop he did on honey and sugar spells, which blew everyone's yes. minds. The coldest day of the year, we were all freezing. Yeah. And we were putting our our hands into honey this. and milk. Honey and milk, right? Yeah, hot honey and yes, milk. Yes, I remember. We were like, I hey, I got to warm my hands up. This is good. <laughs> yeah, so it's all there, man. It's all there. And so aren't you excited? I'm so excited. I'm incredibly thrilled. I'm actually very surprised. I did not, I did not expect that in regards to news, but what a beautiful, beautiful thing to find. Yeah, and I think what we're going to do, too, as we go through them, I had an idea as far as editing them. When we recognize someone, we can put a little red label, you know, like this is, you know, Tammy Lee or Papa Newt or whoever it is, you know, just pop it there. (laughs) And I think people will recognize even people's hands or their feet. You'll go, oh, that's me, you know. (laughs) So it's going to be kind of a trip. Um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to get those up there. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. We will not be um, doing them all at once. One at a time. There's about 20 of them. So be patient, folks. But it's really thrilling, and it's really going to be a fantastic addition to our learning portal. So, yeah. Mm, so excited. It's really good information. All right, so that's the news from Lucky Mojo. What's the news from Conjureman Land? Well, I'm telling you that this, all this news has something to do with Contraman as well. So I'm, I was somehow included, and I kind of, I kind of love it. I'm very excited to see uh, all of this. I'm very busy at work uh, on my panel, on my p- part of the panel. I don't do panels very often, and, and I've sort of stepped in here a little bit last minute, but I'm very excited to be a part of it. Uh, and I'm just working at, really quickly on that, uh, and it's going to be very exciting. People are going to uh, enjoy it, and they're going to love this panel. Everyone needs a little bit of love in their life, and the variety of different angles that we're going to cover about love and how to find love and how to deal with all the aspects of love is going to be really exciting. Uh, and it's a really good fit with all the amazing and cool uh, workshops that you're going to find at the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. So that's what I've been doing. I've been really busy uh, kind of finishing up the writing and, and really planning and scripting my video portion of it, the actual uh, visual demonstration of the love working that I'll be doing. So that's been quite excited. I hope that we'll get an opportunity to talk to you at some point, Miss Kat, that you'll take off the co-host hat and put on the hat of a guest and join us to talk about the upcoming books because you have some really exciting things coming up. So we would love if, if we get a chance to chat with you in the next few weeks or the, once we're closer to the date. Because let me tell you, I'm always excited for the books that you write, but I am very excited this year. <laughs> I'm very excited. Well, this astrology book is spewing out yes. in many, many different directions. 
I probably should have just given myself 250 pages and written a real astrology book, you know what I mean? <laughs> but there's so many good astrology books that go through the basics. My job here is to try to bring out yeah. the uh, the uh, hidden history of astrology and hoodoo denied by many. And yes. um, they won't be able right. to deny it anymore. And, and it's uh, sorely needed because a lot of root workers are interested in working with astrology, but they don't always know where to start. And I think they don't know where like hoodoo so picked crucial. it up. Or yeah, exactly. they go, they go. Well, I can introject this. No, babe, you don't need to introject it. It's been nope, there. You just there. didn't know, exactly. right? Exactly. <laughs> and, um, so, speaking of that, I I also have a Patreon stream where once a week I put out a Patreon page, and, and um, I only have a you hmm. know a, a modicum of Patreon followers, and this last week they got the surprise of their life as a part of what was the basis for my book on astrology and hoodoo got given its own full webpage treatment. And this is, and I know Contraman will remember this name, the Uncas Man. This is, mm. the Uncas Man talks about Dr. DeLorence of Chicago. And he talks about the seven spirits. Which, meaning the planetary seals, and that you're going to be putting them in a talisman case. Oh yeah, that so, is so cool. People, yeah, yeah. People are going to so love this it. is this is this is a mind blower to some, but it really is. It's going to be part of this book of astrology and hoodoo, and I'm going to excerpt part of it. I can't put the. I mean, the whole web page just on on the Uncas Man, um, Jamaican Obia, you know, African deities. Who was this guy? I mean, the guy was like so educated and such a good root worker. But in any case, uh, that's going to be part of the astrology book too. Yeah. Okay, so that's it for for. And thanks for giving me an opportunity to mention that. Um, mm-hmm. Hoodoo has always had astrology, and it's not just looking at the faces of the moons. All right. Um, and for those who are going, what is the Uncas man? Well. <laughs> You could subscribe to Patreon for two dollars a week, and you know, <laughs> or you could take my Hoodoo Heritage, excuse me, Hoodoo Rootwork Correspondence Course, and you'd know. That's about it. Otherwise, you just have to wait and bide your time. All right, let's bring in our guest, Reverend James. How are you Welcome. today, Reverend James? Welcome. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I've just been spending the most of the, the t- today visiting with my mother who who stopped by and um playing with a new toy that we got. We had bought a CNC machine and um oh. I'm I'm testing it out on uh carving out a uh relief carving of a dragon on some wood. So, we'll see how that goes. Um wow. beyond that, I'm just uh working on on websites and and getting things updated and uh that's that's pretty much it, really. <laughs> Been trying to well, stay dry you, too. We've had a lot of storms in our area. Yeah, I know you. I know you have because I've been um, I've been present remotely for some of them. <laughs> um, well, did you you heard me talking about this discovery of these twenty some um, old workshops? Um, and you're talking about websites. You know, you're the guy who does the coding and um, database management and all of that for the sales of these 
Uh, so they're coming down the pike, man. Get your get your coding fingers ready. I'm looking out for them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be really, really, really cool. All righty. Well, you brought us a topic today, and the topic is Tibetan Mo, which is divination. And you know, after how many years on this show? I always give a little introduction, and I'm <laughs> not going to. I suppose I could have looked up Tibetan forms of divination on the Internet and been pseudo-prepared for this, but I've been sitting there figuring out, oh, my God, it's Dr. E, and look, there's Bree. She's pregnant. I mean, you know, just I'm in another world. So I, have, I, I bring nothing to the subject of Tibetan divination so it's all yours. Take it away, James. All right. Um, so I kind of like to start um, a little bit with kind of more generalized slash of obscure things and, and get a little bit more um, onto things that are a little bit more widely spread. Um, so to start, um, Tibetan Mo, Mo means divination. Um, it covers a huge gamut of different types of divination styles and techniques, um, one of which that I find to be one of the more most obscure types is mirror divination. Um, you can actually find out a little bit about that as well in the North Asian Magic book by David Shi um, on Lucky Mojo. There's a short little section in there about using um, mirrors for divination and for spell work. Um, but it's really just like any other style of scrying. Um, there, it's called prabab, is the mirror divination, and it is said that there are some that are born with the ability of pramig, or the divination eyes, and it's easier for them to develop the city for doing, uh, city or the, the, the ability to do mirror divination. Um, there's actually even tales of uh, llamas that use their polished thumbnail to see signs and symbols to foretell the future. Um, there was one llama who was, um, during the whole um, exile situation, um, came across uh, a path and there were three different directions that they could head, and he was unsure of which way to go. And he consulted his mirror, and his mirror shone him and his uh, entourage walking through the center path and coming to a place to where there were no more mountains that they had to traverse. And hmm. after a couple more weeks of them going in that direction, um, they came to the other side and looked back and noticed that the other two directions had they had went those ways would have led them to a really um, tall cliff from a glacier that they would have not been able to pass and had to have backtracked, which could have been fatal in those times with the very little that they had traveling over these mountainous areas. Um, so in that way, I think that, um, you know, Tibetan uh, divination is not, so far different from many other cultures where you see, uh, you know, crystal gazing or um, gazing into pools of ink or water, 
um, it could also be said that all of those are styles of Mo and could have been used um, as a way to divine, um, like the mirror divination. Um, there, there's even more uh, modern llamas that say that even tarot cards can be used. That's, you know, depending on your llama and your guru, that one's going to say that's not okay, one's going to say it is. Um, but that really depends on your motivation and how you go about um, using that ability um, would be probably more uh, of a better way to say whether it's a Tibetan Mo or not. Well, um, I just I just have to jump in here. Um, fingernail divination. Um, yes. It, this is found in, in Jewish folk magic, too. I don't know if you're aware of that. Um, I, the, I believe I've heard you speak of it before. Mm-hmm. At the closing of the Sabbath, there's a little ceremony called Havdalah, and you're supposed to look into your fingernails. And uh, it's supposed to predict the way the week will go, the next week will go. And you have to do it by the light of a candle. And does that come out like in symbols or is it like uh, scenes, like, um, you know, you would see what happens in the next coming week or does it show up as symbols? Um, Well, I think it's the same as any kind of scrying. People will see it differently. In other words, right. they might, okay. you know, they might see an image, or the light may catch a, a reflection, and it might um, look like a, a tree falling, or it might look like a baby, you know, just that little piece of reflection. You have to do it by the light of a candle, so there's a point source of light, and it's similar to um, crystal gazing, where you have a candle or two candles lit, you know. And so you limit, you right. have low light, and then you have point source of light to help you. Um, yeah, that's that is uh, really interesting. What a connection! I mean, it's just an odd connection, you know, fingernail mirror divination. Contraman, right. <laughs> uh, do you um, know of any fingernail divination in the Middle East or yeah, there, mirror divination? There, there is. I mean, mirror divination widespread in the Middle East. Scrying, mirror divination, magic mirrors have been found in the Middle East going all the way back mm-hmm. to the Akkadians, I think. Um, they were brought using polished bronze. Um, so they mm-hmm. we have all sorts of mirror divinations. But the fingernail was really interesting because there is a fingernail scrying that happens, but it is, it's interesting the Lama connection here because it's almost exclusively done by Sufi saints. That it's not something that like an ordinary person can develop the skill to scry using their fingernail or you looking fingernail and getting some type of answer. Um, it's, uh, it's something that only the, those that have polished of the heart is how it's described can then use any surface. More commonly, uh, people who are magicians, etc., will use scrying rings or, or mirrored rings or rings mm-hmm. with gems, but the fingernail is exclusively the, the preserve of the holy man or the holy figure or the saint-like figure. So it's interesting that you find uh, this idea amongst lamas and you have this idea amongst Sufi saints as well. And even the language of certain people being born with the eyes that allow them to do that, we find some of these cross-cultural connections here. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's so it, it, very interesting because... Um, among Jews, the Havdalah is a home ceremony and is not done mm-hmm. in a religious setting. It's a it's it's um, 
part of the whole Sabbath uh, rituals, which are usually um, led and you know kept into the family by females, their fingernails. But it's only good for one week, too. <laughs> or supposedly. Speaking of Sufis, speaking of Sufis and the and the connection with llamas, um, and, and that that kind of leads me to believe, you know, I've never read this very specifically anywhere, but um, with the ability to either be born with it. Or the fact that you see other um, llamas, for instance, that didn't weren't born with that ability, but are able to do it. That it's something that can be cultivated, but it's definitely mm. something that requires a certain dedication to be able to cultivate that ability. Uh, <laughs> if you follow okay. what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, take us on to the next stage on the railroad of Tibetan Mo. That's a joke. You have to be a railroad <laughs> person. There's a there's an old railroad. Uh, the Missouri Pacific is called the Mopac. Oh wow! So bring us, bring us to the next station on the Mopac. <laughs> so um, you'll kind of notice another another um, tr- uh, progression here that I'm trying to use is that it it goes in um, intensity of practice. I suppose that um, some some divinations and things. If you're if you're familiar with Tibetan religion. Um, and spiritual practice that require initiation or empowerment. So um, in the case of uh, mirror divination, there's not really anything that requires initiation. It's just something that you acquire the ability as you practice and and learn to clear your mind and see the emptiness in other things. Um, The next method that I'm going to speak of is also mentioned in the North Asian Magic book by David Shee, is um, so this this shows an interesting connection between Mongolia and 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 Tibet and that area um, is the mala divination. Some people may be familiar with this. Um, so you take a mala and you recite a mantra one time through the whole mala. So that would be 108 times. Um, most often it is Manjushri's mantra, um, the Bodhisattva of Wisdom. Um, and his mantra is Om Ah Ra Ba Za Na, um, and so you would say that 108 times through through your mala, and then you would randomly grab two sections on either side of what's called the Guru bead. You'll notice that that's the little section that points out of the mala that has usually a tassel on it. Um, mm-hmm. And whenever you grab both sides of your mala, you'll slowly count in threes, sets of threes, on each hand, going towards the guru bead. And whenever you get to towards the guru bead and you have three or less on each side, that will give you the answer to your question. So you could go along and then you may have one, one on one side and two on the other side. So that would be your three. Um, you may end up with two on one side and, and, and one on the other side, you know, either way. That would still equal three. You may end up with, you know, one and one, um, et cetera. You may so even wait, end up going on, all the on, way to the, the three Hand mm-hmm. goes up. The student asks, so are your only <laughs> answers going to be one, two, and three? Yes. Okay. Got it. So, so you would, okay. you would they, they have different names for them, and in some places they call them like the snow lion, the raven, and the eagle, um, different Different traditions call it, you know, different 
be different things, but really it's the number that you land on that you go uh-huh. by. And it would give you a different meaning. Um, and you would typically do that three different times. That would give you a beginning of your journey, the peak of your journey, and then how your journey will end. Um, and you could end up with things that, that basically say, you know, um, very good omen to there could be difficulties to it's generally good, but you may need protection um, to there, there will be troubles and stress um, to bad omens. You may need to, you know, make offerings to, to um, alleviate any kind of uh, negativity that you've accumulated or a worse omen where it's best to just not do it um, or you may suffer a loss. Okay, so I, Patricia, asks, I wish I could see the beads. Interesting. Okay, so I, Patricia, if you have a Rider Waite uh, tarot deck, go look up the Queen of Swords, and you will see that on her left wrist she has a string of beads with one bead like where it ties together, there's one bead extra, and it's, it hangs down, and from it is a little tiny tassel. Look real close at the card. You'll see it, Queen of Swords. You can also look online and say mala beads. Mala is, is a Tibetan Himalayan term for it, but they're also called prayer beads, and they are also used by people in other cultures. So a mala may have 108 beads. There are malas that are, the rosary is in essence a form of mala where the, it's a, it's a string of these um, prayers and then there's a place where it goes off and goes to one side. It's a marker. You can just go round and round it and then when you finish you go off the, the end. And um, there are uh, also smaller malas that have 20 beads with the 21st one being the extra bead. There are many, many ways mm. to make a mala but the traditional um buddhist mala and um and i think hindu mala too is 108 108 is a sacred number we could get into that when we ever do a show on sacred numbers okay the reason it's also 108 is because many of the sadhanas and mantras that are required are usually in um numbers uh or um uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, numbers of a hundred. Um, so, uh, for mistakes that you may make, you may you may mispronounce some. Um, so, for instance, in certain um, preliminary rituals, for instance, in the next divination that I'm going to talk about about dice divination, you have to do preliminary rituals to. Um, Prepare your mind and your 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 body for um, being able to do these types of divination. And one of the ones that uh, the requirements that is fairly common among all of the styles of divination is a recitation of a hundred at least a hundred thousand of the mantra to the deity of whose mo you are practicing. So in mm-hmm. Manjushri's case, you would recite Omara Baza Nadi 100,000 times before you practice that mo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, the the 108, I just want a little throw in a little thing that there's this ratio of 1.08 um, and 108 
is also seen in the rougher, older forms of measurement of the distance between the Earth and the Moon and the Earth and the Sun. And um, the di- these things are uh, were known in ancient times. So 108 has many reasons to be a sacred number. And it, it like I said, it has to do with um, oh, the Earth stars, the whatever, numerology, it's just a big number. So it's to say we have 100 plus we're going to add 8 because of a mistake, well, that's a nice back formation. But um, I would say that there's a lot more going on, and a lot of it comes from Hinduism. Um, I don't know if you all know what the Sri Yantra is. It's a design that's made up of triangles superimposed on more and more and more triangles. And there are... 108 points that define the Sri Yantra. And there's just a, a whole lot else. Oh, and there's another one. There's um, uh, 108 sacred Tibetan books. And in Buddhism, um, there are um, bells that are rung 108 times. And there are what are known as the 108 defilements, which are things that have gone wrong with people, or could go wrong with people and spirits. So um, what can I say? There's just a, a, a whole, I'll give you another one. There are um, 12 zodiac signs and um, nine planets, if you want to count them as that way, and you get 108. And there are 27 lunar mansions divided into four quarters, and 27 times four is 108. So there's just a whole lot of reasons. Mm. Um, in in um, in uh, Hinduism, each deity has 108 names, and um, I could just go on and on and on. This is what's called inchology or numberology. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, there's just a lot. Um, going on with um, math here. Math. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> math. 108 because math. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, so, but yeah, that, that, that's definitely a, a, a valid point. You know, there are many reasons why that it's 108. I, I was just saying that as a side note that that is another reason that they also keep it at 108. You know, nowadays mm-hmm. um, beyond... The, the spiritual and thinking a bit into the mundane. Hmm. Well, there's our bumper music, and we didn't have to get started. And I'm I'm putting up an you official. Just uh, the I I wanted more mo and fewer clients. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to have to come up with mo part two, right? There you go. I mean, there's there's so much going on in Himalayan Tibetan. Um, Bhutan, Nepal, divination, and Mongolian. Um, we just even mentioned uh, that the Mongolian art of, um, uh, art, the uh, North Asian magic by David Shi, it's about Mongolia and Manchuria. And why do they have Tibetan stuff there? Because Tibetan monks went there and converted the indigenous people to um, Vajrayana Buddhism. And so they ended up with Tibetan Mo there. Plus they had their own indigenous forms of divination. So, um, oh, Nagashiva has said, you can select it still if you want. Just take one client. It's up to you. Mm-mm-mm. I'm okay with Well, I, I, what do you say? Let's take a vote. Conjurman. I'm, more I'm okay with taking one client and having a more, a larger conversation. Because this is very... More mo. 
<laughs> more mo, more mo. Let's go. All right, we're going to hold hold our client, um, who I'm not sure who it is, but we'll just uh, Nagashiva will take that, and we're going to go back. And we're going to get some more mo, which means we'll still have a part two because there's so much mo. Um, carry on, <laughs> Reverend James, into the land of ice and snow. More mo, more mo, more mo. Goodness. Um, so, yes. Um, so we were about to talk about um, dice divination. Um, so um, there is a divination style um, of dice divination that is available to um, those that aren't very serious about, um, you know, Vajrayana Buddhism and want to take tantric vows and things like that and take initiations and empowerment. Um, Manjushri Mo is... Um, there was a book put out by Jamgon Mifam, and it was there's a foreword by His Holiness His Holiness Sakya Trisnan, um, and it is a Manjushri Tibetan divination mo system. And the way that the dice works is, um, to me, I think of it very similarly to um, creating an I Ching hexagram or creating a geomancy. Um, forget what those are called off the top of my Rommel. head. Rommel. Um, well, the 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 symbol that you create with the Rommel. I, th- I think I believe they have a a, a specific name. The the either way. Um, they, uh, Conjman, jump of, in. What are they called? The the, the geomantic form. Ge- geomancy figures. Geomantic there you figures. Go. figures. There you That's go. a good way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I just could not come up with a word there. So yeah, um, you're basically creating figures or hexagrams um, with these, um, in the Manjushri's case, two dice. Um, you can use one dice and throw twice, obviously. Um, but on the dice is um, the Tibetan script for um, Manjushri's mantra without the om. So, A-ra-ba-da-na-di. Um, and each one of those syllables corresponds to in essence, a trigram, um, like in I Ching. So you need two trigrams to create a hexagram. So in this case, you might throw the dice and you may get ah-ah uh, uh, um, or ah-di, uh, um, whichever that being. So for ah-ah, uh, uh, for instance, um, it is called the stainless sky. And Tibetan Mo breaks it down into different um, situations to decide what the um, answer is. So in this Mo, it breaks it down into family, property, and life, your intentions and aims, family and wealth, enemies, guests, illness and evil spirits, spiritual practice, and lost articles, and then all other remaining matters. So just to give an example, um, if you had thrown and asked, you know, do I have a curse on me? It's someone throwing against me. And you received, ah, ah, the stainless sky. Under enemies, it shows there are no enemies. So that would, in essence, be telling you that you have nobody that's throwing against you. You have nobody that's trying to curse you. You know, if there is anything that's happening in your life right now, it is a result of your karma. Um, Wait a minute. Stop. Hold up. Hold up. I'm just being the yep. inquisitive student now. So mm-hmm. this is very similar to sortilage um, 
book shortage where your question, there are only so many answers, but your question determines your answer. Is this a lookup yeah. system, in other words? For those that don't have the time to sit there and learn all of it, you know, for instance, like the I Ching, if you don't sit there and learn all 64 hexagrams, right. absolutely, this is something that you're going you're gonna to be looking up. And even, even accomplished um, lamas and gurus, um, you know, they have their books that they consult as well, usually in Tibetan, so it seems a little bit more mystical, but um, so, same thing. Wait a minute, back up now. How many um, topics are there? It really depends, um, but the the ones that I just mentioned, so let's see, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There's ten altogether, including an overall general reading. Um, okay, so in ten this topics. Particular mode. And then what, what, the, I'm, that, just doing the, I'm just doing mystical math here. Um, ten yeah. topics approximately, and then how many figures can you get, and how many do you stack? In other words, do you stack six of them? Do you stack eight? How many throws of the dice, and how many faces do the dice have? So the dice have six faces, and you mm -hmm. would, if you have two dice, you throw once. If you have one dice, you throw twice. So you can end up with about 36 different um, answers. Aha, uh -huh. 36 answers. Thank you. Now, um, that's interesting because 36 answers is the same you would get in Mongolian um, shagai, uh, uh, ankle bone, uh -huh. uh, bone throwing. That's interesting, yeah. but that's yeah. sorted by topic. See, I, I I just love the math of this shit. I just really love it. I'm sorry. So, but that's not sorted by topic. That gives you kind of generalities like good for a while and then turning bad. But it doesn't say what the topic is. By sorting it with topics, you're actually multiplying your 36 by 10. You see, so right. now you actually have 360 answers. So that, right. you see what I'm getting at here? So now when you're structurally mm. looking at it, um, 360 answers is more than most people will memorize. There are people who can, um, but it's a lot to memorize. And um, we have found in studying this stuff, me and a bunch of other freaks like me, that the mathematical systems that end with 256 answers, which is like the I Ching, are at the top level of what most practitioners will commit to memory. Um, something like 78 cards, and I don't count the reverses because it's just a reverse. It's it's um, it's a trivial case, right? It's just a reverse. But um, 78 row cards more complex than 52 playing cards, right? And when you do dice divination using the British system, you get 18 answers. And you know, any any average uh, practitioner could memorize 18 answers without having to look them up. But once you're getting above 256, you're getting into a very rarefied world. And this is where these uh, lookup books become popular. And therefore, I can understand why having a Tibetan book of this, you would go to someone who is literate and could read out the answers from a lookup. What do you Absolutely. think, Contraman? Does that make sense to you? It makes a lot of sense. What fascinates me is the way in which divination is often viewed entirely through the lens of that sort of intuition, right? And intuition certainly matters. But the way these systems are built off of math and combinations, and they have these very detailed correspondences. Like I love these, that you can look up 
this correspondence and it says, no, you don't have an enemy. You're looking, you're dealing with something karmic here. Like that is, mm-hmm. that is phenomenal. Um, and that type of detail really stems from cult build divination in a detailed fashion. Divination, subjective art, it is a science in its own right. Um, and a mathematic science with, with, with this level of accuracy. So I do love it. And I see a lot of parallels with other sort of binary mathematic tools like the astrologer's bones or like geomancy. Right. Now, Jewish practice, there are a lot of these books. And um, yeah. they, they date back. And nobody knows, are they Jewish to begin with? Were they Egyptian? Were they Greek? And the Jews borrowed them and learned them. But the Jews certainly developed them to um, a great extent. And these would have... Um, First, you ask your question, and then you do your sortilege, which can be done in various many ways, and using mathematical tables or close your eyes and pick a number, whatever. It's, there's going to be a, a mixing portion, and then you're going to get your number, and then your answer has to be related to your question. So now you go to a page where your question, that topic is answered, and so it might be, again, you might ask, um, will my wife have a baby and that would be one of the questions that you could ask. Will my wife have a baby? If it's not on the list, you can't ask it. Will my wife have a baby? You go through the sortilege, and it will say yes, and it will be healthy. Or it might be not this year. Or something that will be like 50 answers or 30 answers or whatever, depending on how many you had uh, going in. It's quite. It, it's Those usually end up with um, between... Um, 300 and 1,000 answers in those books. So, yeah. Well, getting wow. close to that 1,000 would be the one of the next would be, um, for instance, this this um, Manjushri Mo is from a, a Bodhisattva, but a lot of the Mo's, especially the dice divinations, come from Dharma Palas or the Dharma Protectors. Um, I think the reason that is is because they are emanated in a spirit form that comes closer to us on our realm rather than the upper higher realms the bodhisattvas are on. But that's a different story. Um, but there's one that is Paldan Lamo, which is a emanation of um, Tara and Vajrayogini, um, that has three dice, which has hmm. similar um, structure. So that just multiplies the the size of those. Uh, readings again exponentially wow yeah it's this is so interesting because ultimately I used to play around with a lot of friends in the divination world we we had regular meetings and we talked about this and um, this is the same thing happens in model railroading um, in model railroading depending on what scale of railroad you got it's like 1 to 24 or it might be you know one to 48 or whatever, it's going to be some percentage of reality. And uh, when you get into model railroading, you start talking about, quote, the real world, unquote, as one-to-one modeling, right? I was riding on a one-to-one locomotive, right, because it's a real locomotive. It's at, it's at, it's okay. at real scale. It's one-to-one, right? And um, we're six feet equals six feet, <laughs> you see, instead of an inch equals Six, uh, a foot equals six inches, or a foot equals three inches, or a foot equals, you know what I mean? It's one-to-one. And so we began to talk about, um, this 
was way back in the day, I'll tell you, uh, to the Bay Area Astrology Guild, for those who have a memory for that sort of stuff. We used to talk about one-to-one divination. At some point, divination just becomes direct experience. And the more you put into it, in other words, the more variables and the more results you have, the more it is like simply looking at the question and answering the question because you have the direct knowledge. Does that make sense? You don't have to adapt something. It's not like looking Mm. at 78 tarot cards and saying, well, if I were to interpret this card for love, it would mean this, but if I were to interpret it for money, it would mean this other thing. You're trying to make the many images on a tarot card do duty for different things. But if you're doing one-to-one divination, eventually you're just going, oh, um, gee, you're sick and you're going to die, right? Or... Um, yes, you will have a child within three years because it's just there. It's the answers there. So the more um, sortilege will, the more answers that a sortilege system will give you, the more accurate it will be. Just saying. Just saying. It builds a sort of filing system, right? It builds a system in which all human experience or related human experiences can be categorized, and they more that you can categorize human experiences, the more active divination system becomes. It's able to predict more, right? Mm-hmm. This is one of the reasons why the oldest divination systems, whether it's these Tibetan forms of divination or it's astrology, the oldest forms of divination are always so accurate because they've had centuries upon centuries of building mm-hmm. that experience, of building those right, correspondences and those meanings so that you can get those details. I mean, I'm still, I love that. I know I mentioned it, but <laughs> the idea of like, no, this is not an enemy. This is a karmic thing. Sometimes <laughs> that answer is hard to come by, right? Sometimes if you're doing something like the tarot, you might get the no answer. You might get, okay, you don't have an enemy throwing for you, but you get that other portion of the answer. No, this is something you've got to deal with. There's a karmic component or there's this past component. That may be missing in other forms of divination. So I love that it has that, that, that sentence of detail, that nuance that's added in. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is this is something then when I'm going to just talk for a minute about psychic readers. This is why older psychic readers are usually more valued than younger ones. And I was a young, cute psychic reader. Believe me, I thought I was doing great. <laughs> but um, the more results you've seen, provided you have an exceptional memory and really remember those results the more you get the answer from um, the world. Does that make sense? I, I, uh, Ollie, you know what I'm talking about. I yeah, mean, some, some, some middle, middle-aged or young, young psychics entering, just entering middle age, go, God, this reminds me of the time that person asked me. Well, once you're in your 70s, you've been asked that question and seen those results 150 times or more. Right. And you go... This will result in this. And you almost become like a doctor. Um, You know, oh, look, this tendon is out of place. That will result in the need for this corrective surgery. I mean, you don't even need to ask anymore. And so I'm very much greatly in admiration of open-ended systems. And we're talking about sortilage right now. But open-ended divination and large number sortilage systems really thrill me. So thank you, James, for bringing me this one because it's really um, fascinating. Now, I want to bring in one Tibetan system that I heard about way back in the ages ago, um, before the Internet, which was um, 
birds, uh, birds landing. Uh, have you ever heard of that system where where you see birds come from the north and birds come from the east or from the west? And right. that there's a yes. whole. Okay. It's it's it, but it's not just like oh the bird is coming from the north the land of eternal ice no it's like actual like no it's north northwest and there's five birds and it must mean this it's a very um, systematized way of looking at bird augury um, and that was something that I was thrilled to learn about when I was a kid because um, in particular. Uh, I, I believe ravens and crows are among the favored birds that you could look for, and they because they flock and they come and they land in certain patterns, like two of them and then three, you know, together on two different branches of a tree. And there was a way to interpret all of that, that or more broadly, Himalayan divination system, and I was fascinated. I, I wanted to learn, you know, firsthand how to do it rather than from a book. But I never mm. found a Tibetan right. to teach me. <laughs> well, you've definitely given me something to research because I've, I'm familiar with that style of, 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 you know, divination, but not specifically Tibetan. So that's given me something to, to dig around. Well, through. I'll, I'll <laughs> go so far to say is I'm not sure it was specifically Tibetan. It could have been from Nepal. It could have been from Bhutan. It was not Northern Indian. I know it was It was in the land of Vajrayana Buddhism, but it obviously okay. was endemic, inherent, indigenous, and had nothing to do with Buddhism per se. It just was... A, right. Yeah. And Onyx Rose says, so corvid birds. Yeah, corvids. Um, uh, Nagashiva asks in the chat... Oh, first of all, Nagashiva says, black, easier to see, stark against the sky. And then he asks, why Manjushri? Why Tara? Good questions, Nagashiva. Yeah. He gets so I was, I have been thinking, I was thinking about this before coming on the show, and I'm glad he brought that up because I did want to mention it. Um, so if you ever take a look, well, I mentioned a little bit about the Dharmapalas and my, my thought as to why they um, are usually connected with a divination system. They're manifested on a lower realm closer to ours rather than where the bodhisattvas are. Um, mm -hmm. As far as why Manjushri and why Tara, those two bodhisattvas specifically um, are really depicted in an action-oriented um, fashion. So if you take a look at the green Tara, um, most of her images show that her right foot is coming off of the, the sun disk and, and reaching down to the ground. That is showing that she is reaching into samsara to help us. Um, so she is an action-oriented deity, just like Manjushri with his um, wisdom flaming sword, uh, similar to Archangel Michael, um, in that he can manifest change on our realm and, and, and make things easier for those that practice Dharma. Um, and that's why I believe that there are more divinations connected to those deities rather than all of them, for instance. Okay. Well, we've gone past our bumper music. So now we've reached our client segment, and our client will be Sean calling from Michigan. And um, so... Let's take it away. I guess we're going to have Reverend Art introduce our client. Thank you, Ms. Kat. 
Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com, and by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org, and by Hoodoo Psychic, the first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call 1-888-4-HOODOO or visit hoodoopsychics.com. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and talk to today's client. Our caller is Sean calling from area code 734. Sean, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Outstanding. And you've had no readings on this situation prior? No. All right. Turning it over to you, Ms. Kat. All right. I didn't hear the question. Usually it's typed out, and I'm not getting it here. We have no oh, question. Oh, your question is, I am in a relationship with a guy who lives ah, in there Columbia. It is. Columbia. a few okay. months. I have met several times. We are planning to get married. I am wondering how this is going, if this is the right path for me. Thanks. It just got it just got posted in the chat so I can see it. All right. Um, well, I'm going to ask a, a couple of questions. So, Sean, um, what is your sign of the zodiac? Virgo. Virgo, you said? Yep. Virgo. And what is the guy who lives in Colombia? Cancer. Cancer. Ah, you have such a quiet voice. Well, those are two of the most quiet signs, and they are interestingly different, but they uh, don't make a bad connection with one another. Just speaking for the sun sign alone, um, Virgos tend to be a little quiet in their speech, just like you manifest. They don't they don't speak up and like give, you don't know, get real enthusiastic or real sad. They just they're like right there. Cancers tend to be a little more emotional. And so if you if a Virgo can be tender and gentle with the Cancer, that's a good sign. Virgos tend to be a little more changeable. Cancers not so much. Cancers are not as stubborn people at all. They're they're quite flowy. And so I'm going to do some um uh questions. I have one more question I guess I have to ask. This guy lives in Colombia. Um, is the intention to bring him to the United States or your intention to move to Colombia? He's going to come to the United States. Okay. All right. So now I have a uh, solid question in mind. So how is this going to go and what's going to happen? Okay. Card number one is called the chariot. This is a card of delay. It is... Also, the card of the sign of cancer. So some of this is in his hands. Now, we're looking at his entity. So the chariot shows a man on a chariot. Uh, It's like a very decorated parade float, not a war chariot. And he's left a city. He's uh, crossed across a a little green sward. He's crossed a river, and now he's in a little meadow on the other side. And he's ready to go forward, but he doesn't have everything he needs to go forward. He holds his hands out like he's holding the reins of his animals that are going to pull the chariot. And these animals happen to be Egyptian sphinxes. 
and um, they are they represent opposites in some ways. One is white and one is black, and so they they represent sort of cultural melding. But they are not harnessed. They're not hooked up yet. A lot of symbols here of astrology. There are stars on the canopy of the chariot. The man has a big star on his head. He has a uh, moons on his shoulders, a smiling moon and a crying moon. He has all the signs of the zodiac on his belt and all the symbols of the asteroids on the leather strips of his skirt. But there are a couple of things missing. Not only are they not hooked up. Oh, and there's a winged sun in front also, and big axle going through a wheel. Time is moving forward. But two things are missing. One is he has a square on his chest, which is completely empty. Now, we would have expected some sort of slogan, logo, um, design, identification, what he's, what legion he belongs to, nothing. And then also the harnesses are missing. So there's a delay here. This is not a bad card. But it says this may take a little longer than you would hope. However, it does go to the month that Cancer is um, ruling in the sky. So around his birthday is when you should be able to see things start to break forward. We hope. Be very gentle, very kind. You also need to get an astrological reading of the two of you because um, when we have this many astrological symbols on a card, it always means we need to seek some more um, information about the astrology. The second card is also a delay card. And again, not a bad card, but this is going to go a little slower than you might wish. This card is the Knight of Pentacles. So the Knight of Pentacles is a man on a horse, and he has uh, behind him uh, in the distance two oak trees, and they are close together. That stands for a marriage or a business partnership. And then he has plowed and plowed and plowed from sun up until now, uh, fields of furrows, and then his horse is standing still. He's all dressed up as a knight, um, but he can't go forward because his horse is at a stop. So this can mean that he wants to go forward, but he can't quite yet. Money, it may be an issue. The knight holds a coin. The oaks that he was at, we know he was there because his horse has oak leaves in its headband and he has oak leaves in his helmet. So there's a lot here for potential, um, a lot of of um, a lot of dedication, but there may be problems with work and job, and there may be problems with money. So be be aware of that. This is not a card of things being stopped forever. It's just a card that says there is a delay. So we have two delay cards in a row, and then we have the third card, which is kind of our way out of the delay, and. This is another trump card. It's the magician. And this says you will be able to do magical work. And the magician has all the four elements on a table in front of him, the pentacle, the cup, the sword, and the wand. He has a little rod of power. He's bringing down power from above, which takes the form of red roses, which stands for passion. And he's pointing at the ground, and there is a garden of red roses and white lilies, which could be passion and intellect that are combined. And he has a snake biting its own tail as his belt, which is a sexual emblem. So there's a lot of sexuality here. And he has an infinity symbol over his head. So 
I'm going to recommend that you're going to be doing magic on this, a lot of magic, to get this thing to come together um, because it's really going to be in your hands um, to to bring this to pass with the four elements being, you know, baths and floor washes for and teas for water and um, wands would be candle magic or oil lamps and swords would be prayer and pentacles would be coins or money magic or it could be stones or herbs or roots, something of the earth. All right. So I'm going to turn this over to James. Thank you, Miss Cat. So I want to explain what I'm going to be doing here real quick. I'm going to be um, using the Tara Mo, the 21 Tara Oracle. Um, you can find out more about this. Um, Lillian Two wrote a book called um, the Tibetan Cosmic Magic Series 21 Tara Oracle. This comes from um, Lama Atisha, and it was given to him supposedly directly by Tara. It works very similar to the dice divination. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to um, say the Manjushri Mantra over it, and then blow onto them. I'm going to give them a little shake, and I'm going to quickly, normally I would say the um, Tara Mantra very slowly for each one of these 21 pebbles that I'm going to pull out of a sack here. Um, but I'm going to say the say the uh, mantra and just pull them out fairly quickly. So um, the pebbles that we have in this bag that I'm using is two different colors. We have white pebbles and black pebbles. There's only one black pebble, and we pull out pebbles until we reach the black one, and that indicates which Tara is speaking to you on your question. And in this case, you have the yellow Tara, the fourth yellow Tara, and um, she brings the gift of longevity and protection against premature, premature death, um, and she has a yellow body with four arms and one face with a compassionate countenance, so she has her mouth closed, and she's also holding um, a mala in one of her hands and um, some two sticks in the other, two incense sticks in the other. And the advice for this Mo in regards to relationships. So let's see what the relationships say. Um, there is, actually isn't one specifically on relationships, but there is one on family matters. This Mo is not favorable. It indicates the potential for sadness and worry for the family. Getting this answer suggests the need to perform offering pujas. So this corresponds very well with Ms. Kat saying you're going to have to do lots of magical work, lots of um, ritual to be able to get to where you want in, in your relationship. Um, it says you need to perform offering pujas to prevent whatever affliction is coming to have excessive consequences. Um, so this will lessen any um, problems that you come into contact with as you go through um, this situation. Pujas will soften the situation, it says. The advice is those getting this mo indication should try to avoid getting involved with court cases or getting into trouble with the law. So bringing him into the country may be a bit of a problem. Um, if any members of the family somehow get involved with the police or break smallest, even the smallest infringement and gets caught, a small hill will become a mountain. So um, it will be very easy to create a mountain out of a molehill with this situation. 
um, anything that may be very small in, in getting him, um, for instance, his green card, may become a lot bigger of an issue. Um, I would suggest that you um, use the yellow Tara mantra. I will say it here, and I will type it in the chat, and once I'm done with the reading for you, it is Om Tare Tutare Ture Ayur Jana Khri Drum Soha. And I would, I would um, use that mantra as, as much as you can. Um, anytime that you are coming up against something that <clears throat> you feel may be one of those bumps in the road, practicing this mantra will be very helpful to you. I also suggest listening to the end of the show. Um, I will be giving a um, free spell that may be of use to you in making your offerings. And okay. I'll turn this over to um, Conjurman and Ali. Thanks. I think you've gotten some very uh, important readings here. Uh, I do, I'm not doing the reading. I'm, I'm the root work recommendation. But as they were speaking, I was peering into my uh, gin ring, which I used to scry. And there is something in the past here on your partner's behalf that may hinder this process a little bit or may delay the end goal of, of marriage, for example. Uh, so some type of communication needs to be happening. Uh, there needs to be some open lines, some conversation that needs to happen. Uh, how long did you say you've been with this person so far? We, we, six months, and we've known each other for a little while. So, um, okay, good. I think the and problem is a little language barrier because he doesn't speak very good English, and I don't speak very good Spanish. So, we do have well, to you communicate. Know, love, love can conquer any of those things. So, don't. Uh, that's not too much of a worry. But there is something about communication that's come up in my in my scrying, which is why I wanted to pinpoint that. Um, so there's the work I'm going to give is going to address both what Ms. Cat and uh, Logan Jameson said here, but I'm also going to add a little bit of communication because it came up in my in, in from what I saw through spirit. So I just want to uh, pinpoint that there is something in regards to communication that may hinder things a little bit longer than you'd hoped for. So what I want you to do is take a piece of paper and write your petition asking that there be honesty, truth, love, and sincerity between you that it leads to marriage. Write what your heart desires on this piece of paper. What it is you want, write it. So envision for yourself the ideal relationship scenario. We are in a loving, committed relationship, married to one another, with open lines of communication, uh, in full earnestness and sincerity, etc. Something along those lines. You're going to turn this as clockwise, and you're going to write your name over this petition three times so that you are able to manifest and have full control over this future ideal scenario. Then you're going to take a pinch of the deer's tongue for honesty and speech and good communication, two rose petals for love, and a few cubes for earnestness in love. Fold this paper up and place this into a jar and cover it with sugar. Every day, you're going to take this jar of sugar and you're going to shake it up as you pray. You pray that the relationship that you are uh, committed to one another, loving to one another, sweet to one another, and that you are going to be made together. You are going to open up the jar and just take a small spoonful of this and add it to your coffee or tea or whatever drink you have. Daily, you're just going to add that sugar. Not a lot. You don't want to 
you know, consume a massive amount of sugar, just a small pinch of the sugar in whatever drink. You can also add it to food if you prefer baking. You're going to close it up. You're going to do this every single day while this process is ongoing. Once you are married and together, you can actually alter this jar to be a jar that brings sweetness in your marriage. A jar, you can even keep the petition. You just add another petition into the jar, building on top of it. Every Wednesday, what I want you to do is take this jar, place it on some type of surface, an altar of some sort, and around it in a cross shape, you're going to put four candle holders. Take orange candles, anoint them with blockbuster oil. Blockbuster oil is really great here. Road opener is fantastic and you can use it, but the reason I want blockbuster is blockbuster has an element of bringing in speed. Road opener is phenomenal. It says, Lord, open up all the roads. Blockbuster says, Lord, throw the dynamite to blow everything out of my way. And in this instance, because you're going to be dealing specifically with paperwork, Blockbuster is going to be really useful here because it will help to overcome any sort of crossing up, uh, mixing up of the lines that will happen. Blockbuster is phenomenal. You're going to anoint those four candles. You're going to light them and pray that all the obstacles are removed that hold your relationship back, that hold you from getting married, that hold you from being together. So these are what you're going to do every Wednesday, these four candles. And then daily, you're going to shake up the jar and eat from the jar. At some point, there is going to be paperwork, whether it's immigration paperwork, marriage paperwork, some type of paperwork that needs to be done. That will be placed underneath the jar when you light the candles. And then you're going to dust it with just a pinch of court case powder. You have to submit it. Immigration paperwork is, a, is weird and funky in the United States, and there's all sorts of processes. Make sure that you have the best representation possible to help you through that process. Don't just try to figure it out on your own. If you do this, that will help to overcome any distance delay that has been seen, as well as overcome any that I saw, and it will help to mature this situation and manifest the outcome that you hope. See if my colleagues have anything further to add here. No, I don't. That's a very good spell. Uh, one thing that sometimes works for me is to use a map as your altar cloth. And so you want him to come here. If you have a map that really is large enough to show a path from Columbia to where you live in Michigan, draw a line that shows, you know, quickest way. And um, and then as, um, you know, you work, you can also um, do more and more blow-ups of the map until it just gets right down to your street. But you want to have a, something to visualize. That's what the only thing I would add. Okay. Uh, there is our music. And so we're going to have the crazy demonic tritone of network identification followed by the free spell. LMC. You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. And now it's time for our free spell segment from our special guest, Reverend James of FloatConjure.com in North Carolina. Take it away, Reverend James. Thank you, Art. 
Um, so today's uh, free spell is going to be a concise incense offering, also known as Sang, S-A-N-G. Um, incense offerings are made to avert negativity, illness, and obstacles. And this comes from the Kangyur lineage text. You can use any incense, but the traditional and best incense is fresh-cut juniper um, that's traditionally put over hot coals, and it's done outside. It is followed by this prayer. Kye. In the expanse of blue skies, white clouds gently blow. From the essence of cloud, the rain falls onto the earth. Like the essence of oceans, nourishing honey plants grow. I make incense offerings to the direct and indirect gurus, to Buddhas and Bodhisattvas and to Mother Tara. May this incense purify all broken samayas, to the Dakinis and Dharma protectors. May all obstacles to attainments be purified. May all obstacles to understanding the Dharma be pacified. May this instance placate all my transgressions. To the country devas, local landlords, local spirits, place owners, and nagas, may this instance pacify completely. Every harm done by my body and my mind, may it pacify all and every one of my unskillful conducts. May this incense purify all the pollutions of my degenerated samayas and all of my wrong attitudes. I offer mentally generated offerings. Please accept. May the triple gems provide refuge and protection. May the protectors perform the four actions. May the place owners and local landlords become my friends. May the spirits pacify all grudges. May there be glory, wealth, power, and perfections of fortune. May the powerful ones of this world, Brahma, Indra, Nagas, and so forth, accept my offerings in auspiciousness. May all beings born here be happy. Point, you can re make your request to the bodhisattvas and the local landlords and deities and Nagas. And you can also dedicate any merit that you, that you gain from this practice to other people if you would like to help them on their journey. After that, then recite Nama. Sarva Tathagata Avalokita Om Sambara Sambara Hom 21 times over the incense. And this blesses the smoke as it rises. And this was rephrased and reorganized from Lillian II's Tibetan Cosmic Magic Series 21 Tara Oracle, also known as the Clear Divination Mo given to Lama Atisha by Goddess Tara and taught by Lama Zopa Rinpoche. And that's it. Wow. So... I have to say I'm a big fan of um of Lillian too. She's everything she does is so clear and um I recommend her books really really highly. This is one of her books I do not have and I may have to get it. <laughs> so if you have a uh, a link to it or something and put that in the chat, that would be really cool. I can do that, and it is a great book. It, it also comes with, um, normally if you buy it from her, from her feng shui mall, I believe is the name of it, it comes with a little packet of beads, crystal beads, um, clear beads, and one black bead for you to be able to do the divination. I want to say it's about $40 for the, the little pouch of beads. But you can certainly make your own own divination kit using, um, for instance, I use the tuxedo glass marbles that you can get at Walmart. Um, so the black <laughs> and white marbles that you get in the, the wedding section. 
Oh, yeah. Um, all it, all it takes it. is there's, there's a very beginning part of the book. It goes through and explains that, you know, you need to, to bless your items, and there's a little bit of a ritual that you have to do, including this concise incense offering, um, and that helps bless your, your objects to um, help provide clear mo. Neat. Neat. Well, I'm that is fascinating. Very, yeah, I'm really glad of this, and I think we are going to have Tibetan Mo Part Two because obviously mm-hmm. we've only touched the surface. And you know of more of these methods, right? Oh, of course, and I'm sure I can find more between now and the next time we talk. I mean, <laughs> like I was like I was saying in the beginning, you know, there it's it's so diverse and so similar to many other other um, cultures and things that there's just so many different ways to do it. And it just depends on the Lama or the guru that's that's doing it, that's performing it. Mm-hmm. Neat. Well, I love this sort of stuff. I have a whole website devoted to the lesser known forms of divination, which is called yourweightandfate.com. Um, but um, this is, um, I, I encourage you to put some of this stuff out. Uh, you have your own followers, and I'm sure there are Tibetans and and um, Asians like Lillian too, perfectly capable of putting this out in big books. But draw to the attention of more people, and it would be wonderful to see it. Um, divination is my special interest. I love fortune telling, and I want to have you back and tell us some more different ways to work. And uh, the Oracle Hour is the time to do it. We do this once a month. Once a month, we just focus on one system of divination and we present a a lecture on it and the use of it. This time, uh, sadly, I couldn't play along. Usually, I'll try to follow along and do the divination, but that one was beyond me. Tibetan divination is, you know, hey, there are some things I don't know about. uh, But I'll try to find out. But this is one of the cool things about the uh, Oracle Hour is that it both has divination systems that you and I are very familiar with, Kat. So we're able to scry, we're able to, put, you know, throw mm-hmm. dice, we're able to do all those things. But it also introduces subjects and things that are new to even us. I mean, where right. else are you going to have a conversation about Tibetan divination systems? Uh, right. like this. I mean, that is so that is so cool. So I always appreciate the information that you bring when when you come on here. Whether you're talking about uh, Chinese versions of astrology, you're talking about uh, Tibetan divination, because this is information that people don't have access to un- unless they're part of that culture. And sometimes even then, they lose. That connection, they lose the cultural connection because it's second generation or third generation. And so making this knowledge accessible is such a crucial matter. And it's one of the reasons why I always look forward to the Oracle Hour, because you end up with with really cool conversations. And either we're super familiar with it and we're introduced or we're even Kat and I take a back seat like we're students here. We're just learning. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's really um, uh Interesting. And by the way, while this was all going on, in the background, I found the book that I had learned about Tibetan bird divination. My parents oh, wow. have an antiquary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course I found it. It just took me a little while. Bird divination <laughs> among the Tibetans. Notes on document Piliot number 3530 with a study of Tibetan phonology of the 9th century by Bertold Laufer. Oh, wow. 1912. I found it. (laughs) It's online. (laughs) 
going to go read it and refresh my memory. Well, there is our music, and um, we're going to um, have a little bit of announcements from Reverend Art. And then after that, we're going to come back and say goodbye. So take it away, Reverend Art. Thank you, Pat, and thank you, Conjurman. Especially thank you to Reverend James of FolkConjure.com in North Carolina for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when our special guest from the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers will be J.D. of HoodooHouseDetroit.com in Detroit, Michigan, bringing us the topic of Spells for Student Success. Once again, we've come to the end of another Lucky Mojo Voodoo Root Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Ms. Pat via the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Conjurman at conjurmanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. I'm your announcer, Reverend Art, joining you from folkconjure.com in North Carolina. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, and the shows are available and archived via luckymojo.com forward slash radio show.html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at this same time when you'll hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thanks, everybody, and good night. Thank you, Art. Remember, folks, tune in tomorrow um, for Mystics, Mages, and Magical Places. And get your tickets. Get your tickets, folks. Get your tickets at the station. Better get on board for the 2023 Hoodoo Heritage Festival. Uh, you'll get a goodie box worth writing home about. I swear you will love it. And there's going to be 10 workshops, and we're going to be bringing out some videos advertising those workshops real soon. So go to HoodooHeritageFestival.com, buy your tickets, and um, you'll be able to be watching those things live and engage in Q&A sessions with the presenters. And in the meantime, stay tuned for the exhumation of the old videos from 10 years ago. All right. Good night, all. Good night, all. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.